From the creator of Camp Fear comes a brand new podcast. P.T. Logan's Five Minutes of Terror. Twisted, troubling tales to send a chill up your spine. Coming February 28th, 2022. New episodes every single weekday. Join me if you dare. Stay tuned at the very end of this week's episode of Camp Fear for a sneak peek at the very first episode of P.T. Logan's Five Minutes of Terror. Camp Fear, the podcast, is a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Hello, campers. Welcome to Camp Fear, where you bring your fears and leave in tears. Now, come closer. No, closer still. Yeah, stay warm here by the fire. I want to tell you a story. You like stories, don't you? I love stories. And do you know what makes the best kinds of stories? The ones that are true. And I only tell true stories. So listen up, because today, I'm going to tell you a story about twins. Doctors will tell you that there are only two types of twins, identical and fraternal. But there is a third type, a type that's not talked about that often. It's a twin who isn't related to you. There are nearly 8 billion people in this world, and somewhere out there, there's someone who looks exactly like you. What would you do if you came across your twin? Would you be freaked out and run? Or would you try to make a new friend? Chances are you'll never have to make a decision because you'll never meet your twin. But Kristen will. And the decision she makes changes her life forever. So stay tuned to see which one she picks in this true story I call Twins. Part 1. Bicycle I put my bicycle helmet on and attach the strap beneath my chin. Then I slip on my shoes and start toward the door. My parents are fighting again. They're fighting about money, which is pretty much the only thing they ever fight about. And when this happens, my dad always says the same thing. Why don't you go for a bike ride, Kristen? Get some fresh air. I know that he only says this so I don't have to hear them fighting, but the truth is that I don't mind. I love riding my bike and I love the fresh air. Sometimes, if I see a big hill, I'll close my eyes and take my hands off the handlebars as I fly down it, if only for a moment. It just makes me feel so free. Kristen? My dad hollers from upstairs. Yes, Dad? And then he says it, exactly the way I thought he would. Do you need some fresh air? Would you like to go for a bike ride? I smile as I look at myself in the mirror. Today, I have pigtails tied with red ribbons and I'm wearing a white polo shirt and a plaid skirt. And my helmet, of course, which is made to look like a dinosaur with rubber fins running along the top. Already on it, I yell back. I'm opening the door when I hear my dad come down the stairs behind me. He's carrying a white bag in one hand that looks like a pillowcase. Wait, Kristen, do you think you could do me a favor? I look at the bag. Sure, what is it? 
I don't know if I'll be able to make it to the laundromat today. Do you think you could take this in? We'll pick it up tomorrow. It's mostly your stuff anyway. I grab the bag and hold it in one hand. It's light, and I think I can wedge it between my handlebars without affecting the way I ride. Heck, I might still be able to go down the hill with my hands off the handlebars. I don't know if I'll be brave enough to close my eyes, but maybe. Yeah, I can do that. My dad smiles a weak smile and tussles my hair. Thanks, sweetie. I owe you one. Oh, and please keep your hands on the handlebars at all times, okay? Sure. He gives me a kiss on the cheek and I leave. It's a beautiful day and the second I step outside with the bag in hand, I turn my chin to the sky and breathe in deeply. Ah, fresh air. My bike is leaning up against the garage and I grab it and get on. After some work, I manage to jam the laundry bag through the handlebars. I wiggle the bike a little and it still seems balanced. Still, I'm cautious at first, pedaling slowly. But then I get going, start pumping my legs and feel the wind in my face. My confidence continues to grow and the breeze energizes me. I soon forget about my parents and their fighting. I forget about almost everything. Everything except for the laundry. The good news is that the laundromat is just a five minute bike ride away. Not only that, but it's located at the bottom of a large hill. I smile when I reach the top of the hill and hammer on the brakes. My bike skids a little and then comes to a stop. I look down and immediately think of what my dad said. But then I start thinking about the rush, the thrill. Here we go, I shout out loud. Then I turn my bike so the front wheel is aimed directly down the hill. Grip the handlebars tightly, hunch my shoulders, and pedal like a mad woman. The wind rushes by me at an incredible speed, and while it's exhilarating, it's not enough. I'm halfway down when I know what I have to do, and I have to do it. Slowly but surely, I remove my hands from the handlebars. I pinch my knees on the frame, keeping it straight, and then hold my hands all the way out to my sides. It feels like I'm flying. I'm nearly at the bottom when I close my eyes. With the wind hitting me in the face and my blood rushing in my ears, now I really feel like I'm flying. I'm planning on continuing this way until I get to the bottom of the hill. But when I hear a scream, my eyes snap open. There's a girl standing directly in front of me. Now I scream too, and my hands go back to the handlebars. The only way I can avoid crashing into her is to yank the handlebars all the way to one side. And that's exactly what I do. In seconds, I'm airborne again, actually flying through the air. But the rush I feel is not thrilling, but terrifying. Part two, twins. I fall hard to the ground, scraping my knees and elbows and I hit my head. But thankfully I have my helmet on. My bike continues to roll and lands in a pile of mud. I blink rapidly, trying to clear the tears from my vision, and that's when I see her. She must have dove out of the way because the girl is also lying in the mud. In fact, she's covered in it. With a grunt and a groan, I pull myself to my feet and start to walk over towards the girl. I have some scrapes on my knees and elbows, but nothing serious. I hope that the girl isn't injured either. Are you okay? There's no answer. Are you hurt? My first thought is that I've killed her, that the girl hit her head and without a helmet, she died. 
and now I'll go to prison for the rest of my life. But then the girl turns, rolls onto her side, and I see that her face is covered in mud. I think I'm okay. Her voice sounds familiar, and then when she wipes some of the mud off her face, I realize why. It's me. I have no idea how this is possible, but the girl in the mud is me. She has the same freckles on her nose, the same blue eyes, and even though her hair is muddy, it's the same reddish color as mine. It's even the same length. We look so much alike that I actually stagger backward and nearly fall again. Are you okay? One of us asks, but I don't know if it's me or her. Our voices sound so similar. How hard did I hit my head? I wonder. I reach up and touch my helmet and find that it's not cracked. It's completely intact. The girl rises to her feet and begins to wipe the mud off her clothes. It's an impossible task, and all she accomplishes is smearing it around. You, you look like me, I say, still confused. The girl glances down at herself, her dirty clothes, and then at me. I guess. You guess? It's, it's unbelievable. The girl shrugs again. I don't have a mirror at home. You don't have a mirror? The girl shakes her head. I don't have any clothes either, she says, looking down at her filthy outfit. All of a sudden, I feel bad for the girl. If she doesn't have any clothes and doesn't even have a mirror, I assume she doesn't have much of anything. I think about my own parents next and how they're always fighting about money, about how my dad is searching for a new job. But at least he has one. I doubt this girl's parents have jobs. I can't imagine how badly they must fight. I'm so sorry, I didn't see you there. The girl looks over her shoulder. That's okay. That's when I noticed my bag of laundry. It opened during the fall, and the girl's looking at my jeans and shirt. I feel bad for ruining the girl's clothes, and I realize what I have to do. My dad always says to be kind to others, and even if you don't have a lot, if there's something you can do to help, you should do it. I'm going to the laundromat. You want to wear my clothes? I can get yours washed. Before she answers, I walk over to my laundry and inspect the shirt and jeans. Aside from a grass stain on one knee, they aren't really dirty. I hold them out to her. You sure? The girl asks. I'm sure, I say with a smile. She accepts the clothes. You can change over there in the public bathroom, I say, pointing to her left. The girl nods, thanks me again, and disappears into the washroom. While she gets changed, I put the rest of the laundry back in the bag and pick up my bag to inspect it. It doesn't seem any worse for wear. The tires are in good shape and the frame isn't bent. What do you think? I turn around and stare at the girl. And once again, I'm struck by just how much she looks like me. She's cleaned most of the mud off her face and arms, and now, wearing my clothes, it's like looking in a mirror. Looks good. I accept her muddy clothes and shove them into the bag. I've never ridden a bike before, the girl says. Really? She shakes her head. Never. Can I try? Sure, I say. And then I realize that I don't even know her name. I'm Kristen, by the way. I'm Christina. My eyes bug out of my head. Our names are almost the same. This is so weird, I mutter. I put my helmet on Christina's head and help her get on the bike. 
It's easy. You just have to remember to keep pedaling. If you stop, you fall. Christina is a quick learner, and I spent the next 20 minutes letting her ride my bike around. I feel good about it. I feel good about the smile she has on her face. But then I look at my watch. I need to get going. I have to go to the laundromat and then home for dinner. The girl looks disappointed as she hands over the bike and helmet. Do you, do you want to play tomorrow? She asks quietly. Sure, same time, same place. Christina smiles and she says, why don't you come over to my house? Okay. Christina gives me her address and I realize that I know the street. I'll see you tomorrow, I say as I hop on my bike. On the way home, I keep my eyes open and my hands on the handlebars at all times. And I keep thinking about just how much this strange girl with no bike and no mirror looks exactly like me. Hey campers, it's P.T. Logan, the writer and creator of Camp Fear. And I'm here with... Abby Logan, the soothing voice you hear. Each Camp Fear episode takes between 20 and 30 hours to make, from writing, to recording, to mastering. If you're enjoying this story and want to continue hearing more stories, please consider supporting the show. You can do this by heading to www.patreon.com slash campfearpodcast. With your parents' permission, of course. By supporting the show, you not only ensure that we'll continue to make more episodes, but you'll also get special perks. Like ad-free episodes, so you don't have to hear my dad's voice again. One more time, that's www.patreon.com slash campfearpodcast. See you there, campers! Part 3. Wrong Address Dad, do I have a sister? A twin? I ask at the dinner table. My dad looks at me as if I'd gone insane. No, why would you ask that? It's just that I met a girl today. Her name is Christina, and she looks exactly like me. I purposely leave out the fact that I nearly ran her over because I was riding my bike with no hands and my eyes closed again. Well, you know what they say. There are seven billion people in this world, and somewhere out there there is someone who looks exactly like you. They call it a doppelganger. I raise my eyebrows and slurp my spaghetti. Really? That's what they say. I think about this while I finish my spaghetti. My mom and dad are quiet, not fighting, but not saying much either. I realize that something is up when my dad makes me ice cream for dessert. In my house, ice cream is a weekend only dessert. Dad, what's going on? He looks down. I got a new job, Kristen. That's great. My dad's reaction confuses me. He doesn't seem happy. What's wrong? Well, the good news is that we won't be having those money problems anymore. Bad news is that I start tomorrow and we have to move. My jaw falls open. What? Move? Where? Out of the city, I'm afraid. About two hours from here. We've already put a down payment on a townhouse. We're moving tomorrow, Kristen. I drop my spoon into the half-empty bowl. Tomorrow? I'm really sorry, Kristen. I know this is going to be hard, but it's the best thing for our family. You'll make new friends, I promise. I think about this for a moment. The truth is, I don't have many friends. In fact, 
Before Christina, I didn't have a single friend. If you don't count my bike. The idea of leaving Christina makes me sad. But if this job means my parents won't fight as much anymore, then I guess it makes sense. Okay, Dad. My dad smiles, gives me a kiss, and puts another scoop of ice cream in my bowl. Kristen, can you pick up the laundry before we leave? Before we leave? Yeah, like I told you, we're moving to the new house today. I know it's sudden, but I have to start work tomorrow. Sudden is an understatement. I can't believe it's happening this quickly. Yesterday, I made a new friend, and today I'm moving away. But maybe this is for the best. If I had to choose between pulling off the band-aid slowly or quickly, I'd go for quickly every time. I tell my dad I can get the laundry and then hop on my bike. I bike fast, really fast, and I make it to the laundromat in about half the time it usually takes. Then I ride to the street that Christina told me she lives on. I pass several houses, all of which are run down, before arriving at the correct address. But there is no house there. There used to be a house there, but now there's a fence blocking a pile of burnt rubble. I'm positive this is the address Christina gave me. But how can that be? I get off my bike, remove my helmet, and place it on the handlebars. Christina? No answer. I'm about to head to the neighbors when I hear a sound behind me. Oh, there you are. Christina is wearing the same clothes as yesterday. My clothes. And she's putting my helmet on. I'm sorry, Christina, but you can't ride today. I have to go home, and I need to trade clothes again. The girl doesn't listen. She just snaps the helmet buckle beneath her chin and swings one leg over the bike seat. Christina? My name isn't Christina. Her eyes are suddenly cold and dark. What do you mean? My name isn't Christina. What is it then? The girl smiles. Kristen. I'm so confused, but before I can start to understand what she's saying, the girl begins pedaling. No, I'm sorry, you can't ride today. I need to get home, I need... But the girl is pumping her legs and before I know it, she's already halfway up the hill. I'm soaked with sweat. My face is red and I'm out of breath. Running up the hill is so much more difficult than biking. But I don't give up. I need to tell my dad that Christina stole my bike and my clothes. He's going to be angry because we don't have any money to replace them. Maybe he'll be able to with his new job. I'm about a half a block away from home when I see my dad's car. The trunk is partly open and I can see my bike sticking out the back. Oh good, he must have found it. I feel a weight fall off my shoulders. Everything's going to work out. Everything's, wait, where's he going? My dad's car starts to pull out of the driveway, and I notice for the first time that my mom is in the passenger seat. Where are they going? Dad? I yell. He doesn't look in my direction. He just keeps backing out. Dad? That's when I notice the third person in the car, a girl in the back seat, in my seat. Dad! I start to run again, dropping the bag of laundry onto the sidewalk. Dad, wait for me! Dad! But it's too late. My dad is on the road now, and as he puts the car into drive and starts to move, the girl in the backseat turns. It's Christina, of course. She's wearing my clothes and even has her hair in pigtails. 
tied up with two ribbons. Just before I collapse onto the grass, I see my doppelganger smile, raise her hand, and then start to laugh. It's a laugh that sounds like mine, only it's different. It's a laugh of pure evil. Kristen doesn't have many friends, so it makes sense that when she found Christina, she wanted to get to know her. But Kristen forgot to consider that just because Christina looks like her, it doesn't mean that she acts like her. And while Kristen only wanted a friend, Christina wanted something more. She wanted a family of her own, so she decided to take Kristen's. So, be careful who you make friends with, especially if people can't tell you apart. This is your host. Ha! You thought I was gonna say it, didn't you? You know my name, campers. You know my name because it's in the title. I'll see you next week for another harrowing tale. Camp Fear, where you bring your fears and leave in tears. And now, stay tuned for a sneak peek of P.T. Logan's Five Minutes of Terror. P.T. Logan's Five Minutes of Terror. Twisted, troubling tales to send a chill up your spine. There's never any meat in Stephanie Bonner's home. Not a piece of salami, a chicken breast, a steak, or even a slice of bacon. Stephanie and her family, which includes her little brother Timmy and her mom and dad, are very strict vegetarians. Stephanie has rarely seen meat, let alone tasted it. Her mom has told her a million times that she's never to try meat, not even a nibble, not even something that came in contact with meat. And yet, as they drive to Amy's house for a sleepover, she feels the need to remind her. Stephanie, if anyone tries to give you meat, no matter how small, no matter how insignificant, or if you feel tempted, even in the slightest, you're to call me right away. Yeah, sure, Mom. Her mom embarrasses her further by telling Amy's mom that Stephanie's a vegetarian and that under no circumstances is she to have any meat in front of everyone. Thankfully, Amy's mom orders two types of pizza, cheese and cheese with pepperoni. Stephanie has one slice of cheese pizza, but after the movie they're watching finishes, a scary one, she's hungry again. The only problem is that there's no cheese pizza left. I can pick off the pepperoni if you want, Amy's mom offers. Stephanie says no thank you, then immediately asks to go to the bathroom. When she's alone, Stephanie calls her mother and tells her what Amy's mom had said. Sure enough, less than five minutes later, there's a knock at the front door. It's her mom. You're coming with me, she snaps. But mom, Stephanie complains. Her mom is having none of it. She drags Stephanie to the car and shoves her inside. Then, to top it off, she goes back to Amy's house and starts making a big deal, yelling and waving her hands around. Everyone is watching. Everyone except for Stephanie. She's too embarrassed to look. The next day at school, Amy and the other girls refuse to speak to her. Stephanie tries to tell them that it isn't a big deal, but they don't even look in her direction until lunch. 
Stephanie's sitting by herself when Amy and the other girls from the party take a seat at the same table. Hi, I guess, she starts to say when Amy suddenly shoves a salami sandwich in her face. Stephanie pulls back just before it touches her lips. What's wrong, Steffi? Scared of a little meat? Amy taunts. You going to get your mom to come pick you up? No, it's just, Steffi's afraid of meat. Steffi's afraid of meat. It's not just Amy now, but all of her friends have joined in. Stephanie takes her cell phone out, intent on calling her mother as she's supposed to, but it's quickly snatched from her hand. Hey! She tries to grab it back, but Amy has other ideas. Unbelievably, she actually puts the phone inside the salami sandwich. You want it now? Huh? Huh? No, I don't want it. Just let me... Stephanie tries to stand, but someone pushes her back down. Steffi's afraid of meat. Steffi's afraid of meat. Someone grabs her hands and holds them behind her back. Before Stephanie can realize what's happening, Amy shoves a beef stick in her mouth. Stephanie shakes her head, tries to spit it out, but Amy doesn't let her. Then she pinches her nose and Stephanie has no choice but to take a bite. It tastes salty, a little sweet, and delicious. This time, when Stephanie shakes her head, it isn't to get rid of the piece of meat in her mouth, but to get more of it. I'll see you on February 28th for the epic conclusion of P.T. Logan's Five Minutes of Terror. Camp Fear, the podcast, is a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Story and audio editing by Patrick Logan. Vocals by Abby Logan If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. Campers, you can also email host at campfearpodcast.com and share your worst fear. You never know, one day you might be featured in your very own Camp Fear story. You can also visit our website, www.campfearpodcast.com to get your own Camp Fear merchandise and to grab the Camp Fear books. Copyright Patrick Logan, 2021. All rights reserved.